Estrogen is very key to sleep. So women, as they're going through this transition, often have tremendous problems with sleep, unrelated even to night sweats or hot flashes, which is another thing that happens because in the brain, estrogen regulates not just the appetite systems, but also our temperature control regulation system. This powerful quote is from women's health expert, Dr. Felice Gersh, in her interview with Dr. Stephanie on the podcast, Better with Dr. Stephanie. Tune in for more insight into the importance of estrogen and the key role it plays in maintaining optimal body function and balance. Learn how to mitigate or prevent the symptoms and side effects we experience as our hormone levels drop naturally with age and discover safe and effective methods that are available to start treating with today. It's Tracy. Thanks for being here. And welcome to another replay of the day on this episode of Invisible You, a podcast for women over 40 living courageously. Get some dark under eye circles, maybe a little bone loss if you have it, and a pick two. The I want to murder my partner and the ball my fucking eyes out in the fetal position. And you know what? If I could just get those on the side, that would be great. You know what? Actually, wait. Scratch that. Just give me the works. A tanked thyroid and the hormones of a dead woman. That ought to do it. Okay, thanks. You know what's weird about this order? I don't actually remember putting it in. And I'm starting to think I got someone else's because it's definitely not mine. Yet, here it is, like a gift from the gods, without a sacrifice or even a prayer. Give, 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 our biology, she is a giver. So, not to sound ungrateful, but I'm ungrateful. I do have one small question. What's the return policy on these things? Or can I just give them back? So we're talking hormones, and there's not nearly enough emphasis or awareness as to how life-changing they can be for women of all ages and stages. We hear plenty about the thyroid and all its conditions, but if our hormones are off, well, that's going to impact the thyroid and vice versa. So thyroid, meet hormones. Hormones? Thyroid. It's definitely a symphony, and they all work together to create harmony within. And even with all the shit I've done over the years to right the wrongs of my body burdens, until recently, I didn't appreciate the effect they have on not only my physiology, but on my looks, because hello, I believe I've already established my very real fear of gravity. I mean, is it possible my face wouldn't drip drop down like melting candle wax and I wouldn't shrink like Alice going down the rabbit hole if I could just replenish my declining estrogen stores? Or is what the Dairy Council says true? Milk does a body good and I just need to chug a lug a few gallons a week to grow big and strong like a baby cow or a heifer. Hmm, I'm not sure, but it's quite the pickle. And speaking of pickle, but not. A random side note, I can't quite get out of my mind. 
I was on a walk earlier today and happened to catch myself thinking and accepting that I am possibly a bit on the neurotic side. I mean, I just, okay, I see people coming toward me on this path I'm on and I'm like, again with this, didn't someone just pass me a minute ago? Are there no other paths in this overly populated, densely packed neighborhood? So I see them. There they are, slowly walking toward me and I them. And I think, do I stare at them as they make their approach? And if I do, do they see me staring? Are they then staring back at me and wondering what I'm staring at? Or do I look up and straight ahead like, I don't see you right in front of me there? Or maybe I just turn my head to the side and feign interest in the utterly fascinating white lines on the street. Should I say hi as they walk by? Nod? Wave? Smile? Or nothing at all? Or all of the above? What's the fucking passerby protocol here? Okay, don't say it. (laughs) I already know. It's like I'm in your head, right? Because you have the exact same thoughts. I knew it wasn't just me. I feel so much better now. Or you're judging me and think less of me. I feel like you think less of me. Either way. Anyway, I'm literally taking inventory of my mood, mind, and increasing physical limitations, of which there are many. And what I've been taking for granted that I thought of as quote-unquote toxins, heavy metals, mold, lime, parasites, virus, and retroviruses, oh my, that are really symptoms of undiagnosed, unbalanced hormones. Obviously, the symptoms can overlap, and one definitely affects the other, but for all the cleanses and detoxes we hear about, the liver cleanse, juice cleanse, grapefruit cleanse, sugar cleanse, full body cleanse, I'm just feeling really damn clean at this point. And the brain fog, thinking in slow motion, anxiety, memory loss, weight gain, muscle wasting, low energy, poor sleep, tired but wired, and just the overall crazies we feel is not just A, in our heads, or B, due to the environment and a deficiency in said cleanses. It's interesting because I'm a self-professed health snob. I have, in the past, identified with and prided myself on all the natural health treatments and protocols you can and cannot name. I know most of them. I've tried many of them. And what's ironic is that I completely miss the hormonal piece of the puzzle. Why? Because it wasn't talked about in either the conventional or the alternative health space. I don't know about you, but the only time hormones were ever brought up to me was in three phases. Puberty. Oh boy, here we go with these raging teenage hormones. Pregnancy. Ah, my hormones, they're all over the place and menopause. Where the hell did all my hormones go? In between and after these life events, it's like they don't even exist. Sure, we bring it up in passing, like if we're being particularly assertive one day and some lovely gentleman brings it to our attention that we might be on the rag. (laughs) Why, thank you, sir. How sweet of you to notice. Or, It's this catch-all for anything PMS-related during our monthly cycle, but it's become this weird, benign word that lacks any real meaning or understanding by not only us as women, but the medical community as a whole. And thankfully, that's now beginning to change. 
Now, I had just assumed that the last 10 years of my symptoms were because of all the other shit I was addressing. And they were to some extent. But now that I've gotten rid of a lot of that, I'm realizing hormones have become my latest struggle. Yeah, yay me. So I had them tested, which I had done before, but not nearly as in depth. And surprise, they were all in the toilet. Estrogen, testosterone, progesterone, DHEA, pregnenolone, and vitamin D. It's amazing that I even have a sex drive, honestly, but I do. Unfortunately, it's about all I have. But I've recently started taking bioidenticals, and in about a year, I should, fingers crossed, see some progress. And I'll keep you posted because once I get those Goldilocks, aka just right, I'm moving on to peptides, and oh boy, are those exciting. I usually try and post a clip of the highlighted episode that encompasses the best part of the conversation just in case you don't have a chance to go back and listen in its entirety. But with this one, yeah, there was no way. Personally, I think every woman should listen to the full interview if they want to understand not only what their bodies are going through in midlife, but why and how we can prevent many of these slight, not so slight, inconvenient symptoms in our earlier years through managing and balancing the itty bitty beasts in our body that either control the chaos or cause it. And so a little suggestion, and I'm sure I've said it before, but check yourself before you wreck yourself because it's a heck of a lot easier to prevent the roller coaster ride of midlife madness than it is to try and put it in reverse. Please don't wait, like me, until things have gotten so bad that you're reacting to every physical and emotional sign that pops up, pretty much playing whack-a-mole with each one rather than catching it before it gets to that point and going to the root of it. Start with the interview. Bake your noodle with a buttload of knowledge and conduct your own interviews with potential docs to find the one that's just right for you. Ancient civilizations recognize this. They said fertility is a sign of health. They worship fertility gods. And now we've lost the understanding of what fertility means. It's really about health. So the nature wouldn't want an unhealthy body in a fertile woman. That's why, you know, to be actually having conception, going through a pregnancy, delivering, nursing, and then doing it multiple times, which is what we were originated to to do, that takes a lot of health, a lot of metabolic stamina. And it's really critical that for any metabolically healthy animal, you need to have this critically important balance between energy intake and energy expenditure, because that's really about metabolism. It's all about energy. So as you go through the whole process, one of the first things that people notice, women notice, is an alteration of their weight and of their appetite. And um, of course, there are many other things that go into play because Estrogen, which I look at at, as the glue that actually kind of binds all of the functions of the female body together, the reproductive functions and the metabolic functions, which means every organ system in the body actually has receptors for estrogen. So estrogen has a role in the function of every organ. But in terms of what women often first see in terms of their metabolic health is that 
they kind of lose control of their appetite and they start doing like night binge eating and they see their body morphing. It's like they say, I'm not really changing a lot, even if they maybe they are, or they aren't. But they say my body is morphing like my cute little hourglass figure is changing and I'm getting this belly, you know, what's happening? I'm getting a muffin top. So it's often that women will see progressive weight gain, alteration in their body composition. If they actually check it, they have like more visceral fat, belly fat. And then along with that, they often will have, like I mentioned, the dysregulated appetite because it's very critical, as I mentioned, for every creature to be successful, to actually eat to control their metabolic needs, right? So you don't want to overeat and you don't want to undereat. And that's a finely tuned system that is very connected to estrogen. And when you don't have estrogen, you often will go to what I call the default system, which is always wanting to eat and eating at the wrong time. And estrogen controls a lot of where fat is deposited. That's why males have totally different fat deposition locations. You know, we're supposed to get that little butt the little hips, but without the estrogen, it goes to the default, which is belly fat. And then we know estrogen is very key to sleep. So women, as they are going through this transition, often have tremendous problems with sleep, unrelated even to night sweats or hot flashes, which is another thing that happens because in the brain, estrogen regulates not just the appetite systems, but also our temperature control regulation system. So the systems involved in maintaining proper temperature change. And then this is not something that women necessarily feel, but they often have vascular changes. So they're actually developing atherosclerosis and blood pressure rises and hypertension starts to develop during these years. And then as well, Osteoporosis can start because as estrogen levels drop, there is a loss of bone. And another thing that is not always recognized is the gut. The gut has estrogen receptors. So there's a tremendous increase in acid reflux, GERD. Um, in the premenopausal years, males have far more GERD than women. But postmenopause and during the transition, women have much more are stomach acid production drops, the, nerve, the neurological system of the gut called the enteric nervous system becomes more dysfunctional because there are estrogen receptors all over the neurological systems as well. So we have so basically, I could go organ system through organ system. You know, there's more mood. In fact, women who have a prior history of emotional problems, whether it's postpartum um, depression or anxiety disorders, their chance of having a worsening of those types of events goes up like 400% as her estrogen levels decline. Estrogen is actually an anxiolytic. It actually lowers anxiety. So it's just about everything. That's why I tell people it's my favorite hormone, estrogen. And, uh, you know, and we should love it and enjoy it while we've got it. I'll tell you, you know, you don't miss what you have until it's gone. Right. And um, estrogen has so many effects to the body. And then, of course, here's another one. How about wrinkles? You know, every woman notices sort of this really significant progressive aging in line with estrogen decline, because estrogen also works to maintain the fat deposits in the face, 
you know, so you don't have to get fat from your butt, you know, transferred into your face and also collagen. So collagen stores and function is also and also just even like the ceramide, the maintain the proper barrier function of the skin so it doesn't get irritated and drier, you know, producing the proper amounts of sebum, the lipids and so on in the skin, all are related to estrogen levels. So there's this unfortunate thing called aging of the skin that happens as well. So when you put it all together, it's a real process that women face universally. It may alter, you know, we may be able to alter it a little bit by what we eat and our lifestyle, but it's coming, you know, whether it's this month or this year, you know, it's going to be universal. And that's why I'm so excited to have the opportunity to really help women understand that it's so much more than just losing the ability to make babies. It's so great. And I'm, I want to ask you a kind of a controversial question, um, but I have a feeling that you'll be able to just deal with it with grace as you've already uh, answered uh, many of the questions that I had already prepared. So <laughs> is, is, it, is it reasonable? So when we think about estrogen and all of the roles that it has in the body, so we've talked about irritability, we've talked about sleeplessness, we've talked about anxiety, um, you know, headaches, that's another thing, uh, you know, premenstrual oh. headaches and like hot flashes as you you mentioned and you know the the cardiovascular changes uh we we haven't gotten to you know libido yet i know we will but is it is there an advantage or is there any positive is there a reason to extend our exposure to estrogen? Meaning, should we try to, whether it's through hormonal therapy or bioidenticals, uh, or, you know, maybe there's other means, but to, I mean, those are sort of the two main camps. Is there a reason to try and extend our menstrual years to be able to profit from the anabolic and the trophic effects that estrogen provides? Well, I totally think there is. So once you understand all of the different metabolic effects of estrogen, how it actually has a role in maintaining the health and function of every single organ system in the body without any exceptions, then yes, it's natural. And that's always been sort of like, you know, it's natural. So why would you mess with natural? Well, guess what? I'm a doctor. That's all I do is mess with natural. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's what I do. You know, well, I cancer want... is natural. I mean, like that's, that's sort of right. a, that's such you a know? ubiquitous term, like natural, like, you know, there's many things like aluminum, exactly. is, mercury you is know? natural, you know, like we don't have it, you know? So, yeah. You know, so my, my goal is as a doctor is to understand what it takes to help the body to function optimally, and then to try to keep it in that state at any age of life and through any circumstance, including like pregnancy, puberty, you know, middle-aged, older age, whatever it is. And when you think about it, when is a woman optimally healthy? We're not talking about during pregnancy. Um, it's really when she's like in her 20s, okay? So then you think, oh, what's the hormonal environment of the human body when a woman is in her 20s, well, it's filled with estrogen naturally, you know, so that's really what I want to maintain. If you think about it, no cell in the body actually knows how old it is. If you give it what it needs in order to do its job, all of its metabolic functions, its intracellular issues that it needs to take care of, if you give it what it needs, no matter how old that cell is, 
it'll perform. But what happens with aging is it's an accumulation of deficiencies. Once you lose your foundational hormones like estrogen and, and progesterone, I think of as also, of course, very important and testosterone. You know, there's no unimportant hormone. But if I create sort of a hierarchy, I tend to put estrogen at the the top and then the others all work together. You need everything. You know, it's like a recipe. Which ingredient do you want to leave out? Well, some may be more important than others. You, you can't bake bread and just leave out the flour, but maybe you could leave out the salt or something like that. Not that I'm a baker, but, you know, <laughs> in terms of coming up with what could you possibly live without and still be, you know, it tastes pretty good or it, you're still really healthy. And unfortunately, estrogen is not really optional for optimal health, once you really understand what it's doing throughout the body. So what I would want to do is to give the cells what it needs. So hormones are really messengers, they're information delivery systems. And so if you don't have that information coming into the cell, it won't do what is optimal for the body as a whole, for the organ that it's in, and then for the whole body that it's residing in. So if we can try to maintain something of a physiologic environment with our hormones for our cells, then we'll have a better functioning body. When you lose your estrogen, that's like a number one deficiency, but then it creates other deficiencies because for example, thyroid hormone. So thyroid receptors require estrogen for optimal function. So if you have plenty of thyroid, but you don't have any estrogen, the thyroid will be less effective because the, the thyroid the receptors won't be as effectively working. The same thing for testosterone. If you give just testosterone and you don't have an environment with adequate estrogen, the testosterone will not work as well because receptors are up and down regulated by other hormones. The same thing with progesterone. There's this dynamic interplay of the hormones. So if you leave out the estrogen, other hormone systems won't work as well. And I mentioned the gut. Well, the gut is where you absorb all the nutrients that you need, the polyphenols, antioxidants, and of course, calories and all the, the macronutrients along with the micronutrients. So what happens after menopause, as your estrogen goes down, you get dysbiosis. You get wrong microbiome composition of your gut. And we know, oh my gosh, you cannot be healthy without an optimized microbiome everywhere. And of course, the gut is the biggest microbiome of the body with trillions of microbes living inside our gut. And they become abnormal in terms of their composition when you lose your estrogen. Then you're more likely to have impaired gut barrier or a leaky gut. And as well, you won't digest your food and absorb your nutrients. So then you get into the next level of deficiencies, nutrient, micronutrient deficiencies. And then the cells don't have all they need, even at a worse degree, to do the job that, that they need to do to keep you really healthy. And your immune system becomes altered when you don't have estrogen. And for example, in the brain, the immune system involves a specialized form of white cell, the macrophage. And in the brain, it's called the microglia. Without adequate estrogen, the, they're like weapons of mass destruction. They have the ability to make enzymes designed to dissolve damaged tissue so your body can get rid of it and repair the area or absorb and destroy invading pathogens, viruses, and bacteria, but without estrogen present, they become out of control and they can actually end up creating damage in the brain. 
that can lead to neuroinflammation and problems with both cognition and emotion. In the bone, when you have these dysregulated macrophages, they're called specialized cells in the bone called osteoclasts. And that when they go crazy because they don't have enough estrogen, they start gobbling up the bone in an uncontrolled manner by secreting their enzymes and gobbling up bone to an excessive degree. And that creates osteoporosis. So there are so many reasons why I, as an individual and for my patients, I want to prevent all these things. You need to be proactive. And but when you understand what goes on in an absence of estrogen, that you have basically a status of uncontrolled inflammation. In fact, some really smart person came up with this label, inflammaging that mm -hmm. aging is involved with this chronic state of inflammation underlying and driving all of these you know, processes of, that we think of as aging. But so estrogen is about preventing that chronic state of inflammation by preventing leaky gut, by maintaining proper functionality of the immune cells so that they don't become weapons of mass destruction without control. So absolutely, you know, is it natural to go through menopause? Yes. But like you said, what the heck is natural? Every woman who gets cataracts isn't told, well, guess what? Your cataracts are natural. It's okay for you to be blind. Nobody would accept that. We we, 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 we replace joints like, well, here today, gone tomorrow. We'll just give you a new joint. So why can't we be proactive and prevent all that? Like in terms of joint replacement, women have far more joint replacements than men, much more incidence of osteoarthritis than males do. So why on earth are we not being proactive, recognizing that it's our loss of hormones from our ovaries that creates the environment of inflammation, deficiencies, and so forth that lead down the pathways to create all of these problems that then we have many doctors, specialists working to try to deal with it but not in the ways that are proactive. I told you, good stuff, right? Well, if you'd like to dig into the entire conversation between Dr. Gersh and Dr. Stephanie, check out the podcast Better with Dr. Stephanie, episode 151, Bioidentical Hormones and HRT with Dr. Felice Gersh. Links to that and both their social media are in the show notes below. And check out my newsletter to get a sneak peek into more of my own journey on how I'm fumbling my way through my 40s and beyond. As always, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and share with someone you think might benefit. And until next time, thanks for listening.